Welcome to Healing University. This is a continuation of our in-depth study of God's will and provision regarding receiving, walking in, and ministering healing. And this is Lesson 10 of Section 2, entitled Emotional and Relational Health. We're going to study a topic today that's not talked about very much, and that is emotional health, including relational health, and the healing of the brokenhearted. All of us have felt the effects of stress in our life if we've been alive for more than a day, right? I mean, come on. But what you may not realize is that stress really is a killer. High blood pressure and heart attacks and elevated inflammation are just a few uh, things that stress are, are big triggers for. And Paul told Timothy, but know this, I, I like put explanation points, points behind that. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, perilous times are times that are stressful. What perilous means? Stressful, difficult, and hard to deal with. How do we live in a world but not be of it? Man, I tell you what, stress is everywhere. It's all around us, isn't it? So... If we don't deal with stress according to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, it can really start to add up and even multiply, becoming bigger and bigger in our hearts until we feel like we've lost our compass, like we don't even know where we're going and often feels like we've just simply lost our way. Well, Isaiah, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 61.3 says, God gives us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. People often suffer in silence with an overloaded heart, a heart that is just stressed out because they simply just don't know what to do. And you know, honestly, if we're honest, we've all found ourselves feeling a little down at times, or maybe some of you have been downright depressed and, and don't even know why. Usually, in fact, we don't know why. It, it's like we're in some kind of emotional fog or a mental funk and don't want anybody to know. So you tried the best you knew to suck it up, buttercup, and ended up suffering and stuffing it down even further, hoping it would go away on its own. Well, maybe you even, like me, use scriptures at one time in your life, like I'm not moved by what I feel in an effort to not feel or in an effort to at least deal with the emotional and mental pain. Have you ever made vows like, no one is ever going to hurt me again in an effort to self-protect? Wow. Well, you know, the problem with those kind of vows is that they become access points for the enemy into your soul because of the self-protecting instead of letting the Lord be your protector. So these unresolved issues of the heart are the result of unrenewed mind, uh, many times processing toxic thoughts over and over that turn into reasonings or eventually become strongholds. Even if your mind is in the process of being renewed, many times we still are dealing with toxic thoughts that get rehearsed over and over again until they turn into reasonings and eventually build up into a stronghold. 
Well, listen, strongholds made from unresolved issues don't protect you. They isolate you. They literally become high towers of brokenness that end up isolating your heart. So not knowing how to offload your heart will result in an overloaded heart. And that's why I'm so excited today to have this opportunity to teach and to share on this particular topic because it is a big, big topic that we need to talk about. And it's part of God's plan for wellness and health for every one of us as believers. So Jesus said this in Luke 21, and uh, the passage here is 33 through 38, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it because of time. But because his word has no expiration date on it, he said, we should take heed to ourselves, lest our hearts be weighed down. Yeah, lest our hearts be weighed down with things like carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. Man, if that's not a word for today, I don't know what is. Most church people would easily recognize the carousing and the drunkenness part, but where we miss it, sadly, many times is in the phrase, the cares of this life. This is where we've just learned to live with toxic levels of stress. So I'm so excited to have this opportunity again, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I've already said it, but I just need to say it again. Because I know that so many of you, as you embrace the truth of God's word in this, are going to be so set free today in Jesus' name. Even Jesus told us in Mark 4, 19, that the cares of this life can enter in, if we let it, and choke the word until it becomes unfruitful in the soil of our hearts. Wow, this is huge. God did not create us to carry that stuff or stuff that stuff. <laughs> right? He did not create us to live like this. So receiving God's compassion, his love, God's compassion is the key to living life with passion. And that's really what God wants for you. He wants you to live this life in the abundance of the grace of God. You know, I like to say this, when you get a revelation of how much God loves you, I mean, you really, really know that God loves you. It's like you suddenly get 20-20 vision. It's like everything becomes clear that was not clear before. It's like you enter into a whole new world, a whole new dimension of life that you didn't even know existed. And, you know, as a pastor's son and as a church kid, I knew God loved the whole world, but I was afraid to let him love me. It's true. I was probably 30 years old when I received that powerful revelation of how much God loves me personally. And I actually let him love me. And it was the beginning of a huge transformation in my life. So let God love you. God personally and passionately loves you and cares for you. First Peter 5, 7 says, in fact, that casting or offloading all our care upon him, for he cares for us. I love that so much. We can offload our care because God cares for us. Listen, if you think you can carry your care, then really you're trusting in yourself, not the Lord. It's really the root of self-centeredness. If we think we can do this on our own, somehow we're greater than God, we've got a serious problem. So going numb and shutting down emotionally is not spiritual. It's actually emotional illness. 
Shifting your heart into neutral is what makes you lukewarm. And living life in neutral is not where you want to be. It's a tough way to live life. I've seen so many people in that place. Through unbelief, you'll eventually develop a hardened heart. So these issues are so much easier to deal with when they're small. So I want to just encourage you today. Don't let these things grow up in your temple like they belong there to where it eventually becomes a stumbling block to your heart. Your temple belongs to the Holy Ghost. And God wants your temple to be filled with him, not all this other stuff. So living with an overloaded heart will never be the will of God. God has so much more for us in this life. and has so much more for you as well. In writing to the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16, Jesus said some really strong words. He said this, ready? I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Listen, what's God saying here? He's saying that living life in a place of neutrality, living life where you are just going through coasting and living lukewarm because of a hardened heart is not a way to live life. It's not what God's plan is for you. It's not God's design. It'll be a miserable way to live life. And yet so many people are in this place of just being completely stressed out to where they've shifted their heart, their overloaded heart into neutral at best. So God wants you living with passion. He brought heaven to earth so that while you're here, you can live this life as he did. God gives grace to the humble, the teachable, and in God's grace is everything that we need. Hallelujah. Listen, don't ever be ashamed to cast your care on the Lord. When you humble yourself, you find more grace, not less. And humility is not you being weak. Humility is you being teachable. That's powerful. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6 says, he gives more grace. So not only do, do you get grace when you humble yourself, but you can actually be in a, a moment, an opportunity where God will give you more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. And I love this because the word the writer used in the Greek for more grace is actually the word mega, <laughs> like a mega uh, soft drink or, you know, a mega thing of popcorn. You know, you've got mega grace available to you when you humble yourself and become teachable. So obviously we can live this life like Jesus said we could. We really can have abundant life according to John 10, 10. 1 John 4 in verse 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. Not just when we get to heaven, like I was taught, but as he is, so are we in this world. So today's going to help you so much. We have such an awesome God. God didn't send Jesus to help us manage our sickness and our disease and our pain. He took it all on himself so that we could receive healing through him. And Jesus always has abundant life planned for our lives. We've spent quite a bit of time already in our Healing University time together, studying physical healing. But 
I want to clearly tell you today that physical healing includes the healing of the whole person. Mental healing and emotional healing are included in the atonement and very, very important to the heart of God. Your heart matters. And honestly, more people need healing of the heart than healing of the body. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I love that. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Man, after being in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, consecutively being tempted by the devil three times, Jesus begins his ministry in the power of the Spirit by going from Galilee to Nazareth into the synagogue where he attended as a child. And now as a man, he stands up to read from the ancient book of the prophet Isaiah and begins his ministry by saying, Luke 4, 18, is where we find it in the New Testament, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal, watch it, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book of Isaiah and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And everyone in the synagogue had their eyes fixed on him. Then in that powerful moment, he said to them these powerful words. Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Listen, I think this is so incredible. Healing for the brokenhearted was so important to the heart of God that this is the first mention of healing in the new covenant. It's huge. It confirms what Proverbs 4.23 says. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I don't know about you, but we've had some gardens uh, over the years, depending on where we were living at the time. But if you've ever had a garden, you know the power of the word keep. When it talks about keeping, uh, you have to cultivate the soil. You've got to stay on top of weeding it, right? And take care of it. Well, this is the same thing we need to do with our hearts. Why the Bible says keep or cultivate your heart with diligence, for out of your heart spring all the issues of life. So we can say it this way. We are literally the gardener of our hearts. The word for issues here in Proverbs 4.23 in the Hebrew means borders and boundaries. So what am I talking about? Well, let me, let me share it like this. Remember in high school when you had those big dreams and you were going to change the world as soon as you graduated? You were going to make a big difference and then somewhere along the line, life happened, right? Proverbs 13.12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And things don't turn out quite like you thought they were going to. In fact, maybe nothing like you thought they were going to. And you experience some loss, some betrayal, some failure. Wow. Have you ever been wounded or betrayed by a friend? If it was from a stranger, you probably wouldn't even have cared, right? But the pain that comes from this kind of rejection can wound us deeply. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Disappointments can easily turn into disillusionment, which leads to a disconnect. All of this dis 
leads to a sense of loss, of protection, or a loss of your place, your momentum in life. Your boundaries and your borders have gotten messed up. Listen, I, I wanted to just take a minute to share a very personal story uh, that I haven't talked about much, but one of our children was sexually molested by an elder in one of the churches that we belong to. And I'm telling you, when I found out what had happened, uh, it almost took me out. I was so grieved over it and grieved over the fact of what had happened that it took a long time to process through it. And, and uh, I, I wish I could say that I got through it really quick, but I didn't. In fact, my attitude went so sour and my, my prayer life and everything just kind of went into a neutral place because of all of the trauma and the hurt of that situation. And I remember finally, after months of just feeling like I had lost my compass, I was sitting at my desk one day and I opened the word for the first time in weeks and weeks. And I flipped open the Bible and just, you know, flippantly was turning the pages. And I, I said, okay, God, fine, speak to me. You know, I mean, with, with a bad attitude. Can you imagine? And I heard the Lord, I, I heard the Lord say to me very softly, Daniel, you either believe this or you don't. I flipped again, ignoring what I just heard. And I heard the Lord say it again. And I flipped some more. And I heard the Lord say it one more time. And this time when he said it, it was like he was, he was saying it loud in my heart, even though I don't think it really was, but it's how it felt. And he said to me, Daniel, you either believe my word or you don't. And something on the inside of me rose up. I stood up from my chair. I pounded my fist on the desk and I said, I do believe. And when I said that, something on the inside, it was literally like a switch got flipped. Something on the inside rose up and I knew that that season of my life was over. It wasn't all fixed and neatly packaged, but I knew, devil, you have messed with the wrong guy. Something on the inside of my strength, my faith, my resolve came back to me. And I'm telling you what, not, I said, not only are you not going to take my children from me, but God is going to raise up sons and daughters all over the world. And this was long before I knew that I was going to be working for this ministry and being involved in a worldwide international ministry doing what we're doing right now. So I'm telling you, God is faithful. And I share that story with you because I believe that we get into these situations at times where we feel like we have to carry the grief. We have to carry the emotional trauma. We've got to carry the stuff and we don't know what to do. Isaiah 53, 4 says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Verse 5 goes on to say, he was wounded for our transgressions. Listen, Jesus gets it because he got it. He was beaten with stripes for you. And the healing of a wounded heart is available just as much as the healing for a physical body. And I've got good news for you today. Healing is Hear, praise God. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. The word contrite means humble. So in other words, when you have a teachable attitude, it'll help you. It won't hurt you. It'll help you through that process. So don't harden your heart to God, but 
Realize that God is your answer. He is your provision. He wants you to be well more than you do. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 12 and 13 says this. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Man, when we're depressed, isn't that how it is? I mean, everything about us just, you know. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Wow. What a powerful verse. God doesn't want what's lame to be dislocated, but he wants it to be healed. And then look what happens in the next couple of verses in that same passage. Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. See, here's the deal. When our talk and our walk are different, when they don't line up and they don't agree, it begins to affect others who are around us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and by this, by this root of bitterness springing up, many become defiled. Listen, when you don't deal with an overloaded heart, when you don't deal with the issues of the heart, when you don't deal with a root of bitterness, maybe that has, that has become a part of your everyday not only will you have that in you, but it will eventually spring up and defile many around you. A heart that's emotionally wounded or mentally wounded can cause you to become lame and even dislocated. Don't let this stuff take you out, but rather, like this verse says, rather be healed. I love that. That is so great. So whether you're, whatever you're trying to stuff down by avoidance, will eventually spring up. You, you can't ignore it. A root of bitterness is an unresolved heart issue. And left unresolved, it will spring up and will defile many. We can see what Jesus intended as an opposite of this in John chapter 4 and verse 14. He said this, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will be in him, will become in him, a fountain of water springing up. See, here it is again. What's in you won't just stay in you, but it's going to spring up, and in this case, springing up into everlasting life. Well, what's in your spirit, man, we could say is the well, but the well is going to spring up through your soul and then out of your mouth in the form of words. They are either going to be words that bring life or they're going to be words that bring death. Many times our words will open the door to the enemy because we've not dealt with the issues of our heart. So Jesus said in John 7, 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, 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 will flow rivers of living water. And this is what God wants for every one of us. Hallelujah. Out of our heart, our mouth speaks. We, we see the two connected all throughout scripture. So if you want to know what's really in your heart, listen to your mouth. Wow. If you want to know what's in your heart, listen to your mouth. A careful study of scripture will reveal that the heart is made up of the whole, the whole inner man. The spirit and the soul make up the inner man and what is referred to in scripture as the heart. First Peter 3, 4 refers to the spirit man as the hidden man of the heart. 
First Thessalonians 5.23 refers to us as spirit, soul, and body. Obviously, important for us to understand. And again, Andrew's got great teaching on this that you need to be aware of. We as teachers, we love to separate these three areas, spirit, soul, and body, for the purpose of teaching and clarity. But really, the only thing that can separate these areas is the Word of God. Let me show you what I'm saying. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here we see where the Word of God will actually separate these areas and show us what we need to see to be able to offload it and get rid of it and replace it with the Word of God. Thank God for the Word. Hallelujah. In Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, including emotional healing, mental healing, and even relational healing. Praise God. So our spirit is what becomes brand new when we become a believer. We know that from 2 Corinthians 5.17 and many other scriptures. But our soul is in the process of becoming saved, becoming transformed through the word and the spirit. So what we're talking about specifically for emotional and mental healing is the area of our being called the soul, which again is where we locate our will, our mind, and our emotions. So upon studying this out, we we clearly discover that our emotions will follow our thoughts, and our thoughts are the result of what we decide to think of. So Philippians 4.8 makes this really clear. It says, in order to change your life, you're going to have to change how you're thinking, right? So here's what it says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, of a good report, boy, that's a good one, not the medical report, but a good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or consider these things. So what are we thinking about? If we're going to change our life, we're going to have to change how we're thinking. So think about the things that are of a good report, things that are worthy of praise and meditate, consider these things. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I was on my way to class uh, to teach at a large international worship gathering in California years ago um, when the sole of my right shoe just came off. It curled up and just came off. It was the weirdest moment. And... The name of the class that I was on my way to teach was called Worship and the Healing of the Soul. No kidding. (laughs) And so I held my shoe up when I got up there on stage and got to the podium. And I said, on my way over here today to teach you about healing and the healing of your soul, I apparently lost mine. And you know what? I don't think a single person in that audience will ever forget that moment. I couldn't, I couldn't have planned that. But God used it as an object lesson to make a point 
that God really does want our soul to be whole. He wants us not to just have a renewed mind, even though he does, but he wants our soul to be restored, for us to be living beside still water and and have the life and the peace of God flowing up from that well in us and springing up and, and just blessing our lives in every single way, prospering and being in health. Hallelujah. So mental health is very important to the heart of God, and so is emotional health. It's not less important, or it's not just for weak people or something like that. God's will is for all of us to prosper and be in health in every area of our lives. So emotional well-being is more important than most people realize because many in our generation are so stressed out much of the time and they think that their stressed out lifestyle is actually normal or natural. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Wow. Being healthy means more than the absence of physical sickness and disease. So we have to recognize that prospering and being in health includes the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And, you know, I honestly see such a range of this in people's hearts today. I've seen believers who have come to me asking if I'd pray for them to have joy or peace in their lives. They're already born again. They're already spirit-filled, they tell me. And yet they're asking for joy and for peace when they already have it. It shows that there's some kind of a disconnect in their heart. And usually it's just a lack of knowledge. And because of that lack of knowledge, they're perishing in that area. So uh, we're supposed to be living from the fruit of the Spirit that's on the inside of us and not living with an overloaded heart. That's what God really is intended for every one of us. But we've all seen people who have uh, something going on that's not that, and sometimes maybe even emotional uh, instability, maybe would be a kind way to say that, right? People who are troubled, unstable, unbalanced, uh, maybe they've been told they have a personality disorder or they're emotionally ill or they've had some kind of label placed on them by someone that they have totally identified with and that has become their reality. Wow. They see themselves like a problem. And then we have many people who come back from war of our military with things like PTSD. Many people suffer in silence. They don't know how or where or why. Uh, we've got people who are dealing with relational trauma. Uh, they don't know what to do. We have so many people that are filled with anxiety and filled with fear. I'm telling you, God did not intend for us to live life like this. Philippians 4, 6, in fact, says, be anxious for nothing. So psychology attempts to heal, but can only deal with the natural and only with the soul and the body. Only through Jesus do we find supernatural healing of the spirit, the soul, and the body. And you know what? He, as the healer, makes sure that it works. Praise God. 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here's what the Lord said to me, and I want to say the same thing to you today. What do you want? What do you want? James 4, 2 says, you don't have because you do not ask. 
Jesus said in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, verses 13 and 14 of John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So how do you want to live your life? Man, don't let fear steal your miracle. What are you waiting for? Did you know that whatever you settle for and think you can live with, you will? True. Think about what you're thinking about, even right now. What are you identifying with? You'll identify with whatever is bigger in your heart. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. John 14, 1, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. So apparently we can let it or we can not let it be troubled. Amen. So let's live our lives in such a way that we don't live with a troubled heart, but we learn to offload our heart at the throne of grace. What you believe in your heart will determine how you will receive from God. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. See, we see through our beliefs into our daily life. And I say this all the time, but there's something about life that's so daily. Jesus said to pray this, give us this day our daily bread. Psalm 118, verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. So what you do every day matters more than what you do every now and then. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you see right now today from God's perspective, which will always start from the inside out. It'll always involve the heart. So instead of wanting good but expecting bad, your heart can be so transformed that how you relate to life day to day becomes completely, completely different. In fact, Philippians 3.13, Paul said, this one thing I do, not one more thing I do, <laughs> right? But this one thing I do, well, what is the one thing? He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things that are behind. Listen, that failure from back there does not define who you are. Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Man, God's got freedom for us. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Hallelujah. You can be so healed of trauma and emotional pain and mental disorder that you no longer even identify with it anymore. Jesus said we could and should be of good cheer. John 16, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That word is stress, adversity, pressure. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So the victory of Jesus is literally the place we start because his victory was for us. Hallelujah. It's what the new covenant is all about. He overcame, so now we can too. We are overcomers because of Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
But not knowing how to live this life in Christ with the fruit of the Spirit alive on the inside of us, including the fruit of self-control, can be very crippling and destructive. Wow. Especially if we allow emotions to control us instead of us controlling them by the fruit of self-control that's already alive and well in our spirit man. Listen, an unbeliever doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit. So if we try to live life like an unbeliever, only from the natural, trying to manage all this stuff, or we could even say from the carnal, uh, then it's simply our soul wanting to be in control. We are to be living life from our redeemed spirit, not from a soul that wants to be in control. Hallelujah. There's victory. I like to say it this way. The fruit of the Holy Ghost is an inside job. (laughs) Hallelujah. The fruit of the Spirit of God is an inside job. And you've already got the fruit of the Holy Ghost living on the inside. Listen, God doesn't want the new covenant in your spirit and the old covenant in your body. Hallelujah. Everything God created us with, including emotions, is good. In fact, he called everything about us very good. Psalm 139 verse 14 says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't make any junk. So don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're damaged goods. God wants you well. Jesus has given us so many ways to receive healing and wholeness through faith in his name. And I personally have seen so many people, I mean, literally thousands of people healed of all kinds of things, uh, including mental disorders, emotional illness, through the laying on of hands, according to Mark 16, 18, anointing with oil, uh, many, many different ways to receive healing. But I'm telling you, there is no sickness or disease that is too hard for God, including emotional and mental and relational healing. It's no harder for God than any other situation because Jesus has already provided your healing. He doesn't have to come back and be beaten with stripes again for your situation or die on the cross all over again. Thank God when Jesus died on the cross, he said it was a complete work by saying it is finished. There was nothing left undone. There's no name higher than the name of Jesus. He is the name above every name. So here are some practical things to help you receive emotional and mental healing. Start on a daily basis by expressing gratitude a lot and be thankful because Thanksgiving is the voice of faith. Thanksgiving will always help you enter into the things of God. It's an entrance place. It's like a gate that opens from your spirit man into your soul and allows the benefits to flow through your whole being. It's impossible for your mind to be fearful and thankful at the same time. You can look it up later, but Hebrews 13, 15 is a great scripture for this. Number two, Renew your mind to the word of God so that you can be transformed and not conformed. We've got to think like God says we can think. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renew your mind to the word of God. Number three, choose the one thing instead of one more thing. In Luke 4, rather Luke 10, verse 41. In Luke 10, 41, the story of Mary and Martha, uh, We have to learn like they did what matters the most and make that our priority instead of what's just urgent. And they sowed time into the spirit realm, so to speak, by sitting at the feet of Jesus 
and listening to what Jesus had to say. So choose that thing instead of all the other voices that are trying to have access into your heart. Number four, become quick to offload your heart through worship and prayer. Humble yourself and receive the grace that God has for you. When you offload, you don't keep carrying it. You no longer identify with it and give it a place of importance in your life. You know, you might have to do this several times during the day. It's okay. Number five, build yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in tongues and do it a lot. Building yourself up means you're building your soul, which contains your will, your mind, your emotions from the Holy Ghost within your redeemed spirit. When you start to get filled with the Holy Ghost, it just pushes all that other stuff out of your soul. And uh, Jude, the book of Jude, verse 20, is a great verse to talk about uh, building yourself up on your most holy faith. And then lastly, number six, if you have unforgiveness towards someone who hurt you, man, lay it down by trusting Jesus with that hurt, that pain, that action that wounded you. Letting go of it doesn't mean that they were right. I need to say that again. Letting go of that pain, that unforgiveness, that hurt, doesn't mean that they were right. Holding on to it isn't hurting that person at all. It's only hurting you. Holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness is often a doorway of access to the enemy. So, you know what? Shut that door by letting that stuff go once and for all. Cast the care of that over on Jesus because he cares for you. So I want to touch just quickly on a little of this relational aspect, and then we're going to wrap this up today. Luke 17, verses 1 through 5, Jesus is talking about how it's impossible that offenses won't come. But he said, don't be one of the ones who offends. Again, we're talking about relational healing as well as emotional, mental, and the healing of the broken heart. We're told here to take heed that if our brother offends us, we should be forgiving him seven times a day. And then later was even said 70 times seven, right? So in other words, we just need to walk in an attitude of forgiveness and not take this stuff into our heart as if we're going to own it for the rest of our lives. And when the disciples heard Jesus talking about this, you know, forgiveness and walking in this way, not taking offenses, not being offended, it's kind of funny, honestly. They had seen Jesus do all kinds of supernatural miracles and healings of all kinds. But when they heard about this relationship issue, this is the only time where they ever said, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, can you just see it? They're looking at all these relational challenges and like, what? Never taken an offense? Oh, God, increase our faith. Wow. In Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, the Lord is writing to the church here in Ephesus, obviously, and he's talking about the marriage relationship and how it's so important for us to be submitted one to another and for husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church. But uh, that whole passage in Ephesians 5 is talking about relationships and how important the healing of relationships are and submitting in the grace of God in a way that never puts people down, but actually just the opposite, brings them and lifts them up into their potential and into their destiny. But here's what I want to share about that. Many times husbands, I've done marriage counseling and pastoral counseling for a number of years. And, uh, you know, many times men just don't realize that are married, how important it is to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Because here's what 1 Peter 3, 7 says. 
Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, speaking of the wives, with understanding. Dwell with your wife with understanding. So figure out what makes her tick, you know? Find out what her loves are and, and uh, you know, what, what, what you can do to be a blessing to her. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel physically and uh, being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So if you don't want your prayer life to be hindered as a husband, then you better take heed. As husbands, we should be kind and gentle and honor our wives as our best friends, listen, spend time with them, love and cherish them. You know, you can help relational healing flow when you are heirs together of the grace of life. Then verse eight and nine says, finally, brethren, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. In other words, be humble, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. And then in the book of James, we find tremendous insight into healing and how it's often connected to relationship. So again, the body of Christ, we've already talked about this in one of our other sessions, but this is such a big topic to the heart of God and being connected properly together in the love of God, esteeming one another better than ourselves. Amen. But James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Who? The one suffering. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him. Who him? Let the one who is sick call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over the one who called, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, not the oil, but the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another or your sins to one another, your faults, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Wow, this is huge. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, anointing with oil is not more powerful than the laying on of hands. It's not less powerful. It's just a point of contact for the prayer of faith to be prayed and release the power of God. It's just another way for us to receive healing that God has made available to us. So here's what I want to say about this as we wrap this up today. Sin and guilt love to work in secret. Sin and guilt love to work in secret. And when we confess our sins to another person, uh, somebody who's trustworthy, not just anybody, well, we make ourselves vulnerable when we do this, and it usually feels pretty uncomfortable, doesn't it? We have to humble ourselves to that brother or sister in the Lord and receive healing from the Lord Jesus in that other person. The Lord in them is ministering through them to us. They're not the healer, but Jesus in them is. So again, a relational healing can happen. Healing emotionally, healing mentally, healing physically. Healing is here. You're not waiting for God. There's no situation that's too big. There's no situation that's impossible. 
God is absolutely the God of the impossible. So right now, Father, I just want to pray in Jesus' name and release healing emotionally, healing mentally, all kinds of things that have been tormenting. Fear has torment. And I say torment, you're over. Your days are numbered and your time is up. I say in the name of Jesus, perfect love is casting out all fear. And I command healing emotionally. I command healing relationally. I command healing mentally. That Lord God, you've given us a mind full of love and power. It's a sound mind. And we say in Jesus' name, we thank you for the anointing that has broken every yoke of bondage. Thank you that the anointing, the anointed one is Jesus Christ. And that anointing is alive and well on the inside of us right now. So Father, I just release the anointing. I release the power of God to go into those situations right now that people have lived with and tolerated for so many years. And I say today is the day of victory. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of wholeness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right. What uh? What do you guys? Um, what you guys get out of that? What you do every day will be more important than what you do now and then. That doesn't seem very important, but you can think the more I thought about it, the more impressive it got. Because those little things we do every day, the negatives or the positives, those are the things that go inside of us. So once a week at church, it's not necessarily going to make that big of a change if you don't do the everyday things. Absolutely. It's kind of like eating, right? If you ate one meal a week, you'd be pretty weak, right? So, I mean, if you're not putting time with God, if you're not spending that kind of time with God uh, during the week, if you're not listening to His Word, reading His Word, um, you're going to have atrophy, right? It's good. Anybody else? I know we've reached the twilight hour. <laughs> Most everybody's like, oh, I just want to go home. But no, I thought I thought it was really good. You know, one of the things that I'm gonna mention real quick is that, you know, we we see things like mental health and, and we see how we you know how we walk especially around you know people emotionally um you know there are there are certain people in my life that you know i used to a long time ago because I, I really tried and, and sometimes you have those moments where you're like i've got to get this out you know I, i've got to stop being so emotional right but you know if you think about this you know if your emotions are the catalyst to your will Right? So you have your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. So if your emotions is the catalyst to your, to your will, that means that if you get overly happy, or if you get overly sad, or if you're angry, or any of those kind of emotions, 
then it's going to take your will in a particular way, right? And so being able to, being able to, you know, get your emotions under control gives you the opportunity to put your will in the right place. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm reading the Word, I've got the Word in my heart, and then all of a sudden I've got this, these emotions that are coming along, and I just want to go against what I know is right. Because that happens a lot. I mean, you, you say, hey, I'm going to be, you know, we were talking about you know, traffic or getting upset at somebody or whatever uh, before, but if you're riding down the road and you're like, I'm going to treat everybody good, well then, you're going to have the opportunity of the devil when you get cut off like five seconds later, right? And you're going to be like, well, I just want to, you know, I want to chase that guy down. I want to do whatever. Well, that's your emotions taking over and it starts to affect your will. And then the rest of the day, what happens? Well, it's been a horrible day. See, that's, that's one of the things I think is important for us to understand is that when we allow God to heal us, He's going to have to heal us not just in our mind, the stuff we believe, but also we need to let Him heal us emotionally so that our will will follow His will. Right? I always, uh, always love Psalms 37, 4 and 5 where it says delight yourself. I mean, that word delight there in the Hebrew means to be pliable. It means that, that I'm, I'm moldable. Right? So I delight myself in the Lord, and he shall give me the desires of my heart. That means he's going to change the desires in my will. Mm-hmm. And then once I have his desires, then it says that he will bring them to pass in verse 5. But see, those are the kind of things that we have to understand is that our our mind, our will, and our emotions, you know, the, the PTSD of living life, right? I mean, there's people who go to war, and they have PTSD. But I know people who've been abused that have PTSD. I know people who, every time they see somebody at work that they've gotten into with them, they automatically get angry or they, or they tense up. You know, I watch, I watch people's body language a lot because we were taught as managers to watch how people are reacting to what you say. And if somebody, if somebody goes from this to they cross their arms over their chest, that usually means that they, they have a problem with that. And typically, if you keep pushing on them about something, especially if they've had problems in their past with, you know, they've been written up for something or they've had some sort of problem, you tend to find out that they are not in a place to receive. So I, I just, I want to encourage everybody is that those things which, make you tense up, that make you think about something in a way that, that your emotions get involved. Those are areas that I think we need to actually put before the Holy Spirit. We need to cast those cares on the Lord and let Him actually take those from us because they're not healthy to you. They're not healthy to the people that are around you because if you continue in those things, then you're, you know, doesn't matter what you put in your mind. It doesn't matter how many times you confess. If you can't get your emotions under control, then your will will go against the Word of God, right? So it's important for us to also think about our 
our emotional state, making sure that the Holy Spirit is dealing with us and that we are we're taking captive those thoughts that come into our mind. I think that's the number one thing when we're dealing with emotions and our mental health is take those things captive. Don't allow those things to sit there. Hagen used to say that a bird can fly over your head, but don't let it nest in your hair. That's right. Those are the things that we have to do. So I just wanted to share that with you. Anybody got anything else? I want to tell Dorindaism. Um, my sister Dorinda, she was six years older than me. She's gone to heaven now. But she was a mess. Oh my gosh, she was a mess. But I was riding with her one day, and this guy cut us off. And she says, God bless you. Lord, bless that man. And make him not be such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and she'd go on down the road. And every time she would do the same thing. And, of course, she was one of these that said little words all the time. But that I, t- I said, well, do you feel better? She said, it doesn't make me feel any better, but I think it's better than saying what I want to say. <laughs> and she said, after a while, it doesn't bother me anymore. Wow. But she, God blessed everybody. <laughs> if they I, irritated her, she, God blessed them. <laughs> and by the way, we know that the word ass is okay because it says it in the Bible. And by the way, uh, you know, it. I think it said that... Um, Moses tied his to a tree and he walked like a mile and a half. So, you know, so I, I'm, I'm with my Aunt Dorinda. You know? she, she, was, she, was she talked getting, to God the way she, she talked talk, to us. She talked to God the way she talked to us. And you know what? Be, I think that's good. I think it's good for us to be who we are. You know, the people who pray, dear Lord, <laughs> blessed be thy holy name. Well, you know, I don't use thou and thee and all that when I'm talking to everybody else. So let, let's be, let's make sure that we're, that we are who we are. Amen. You taught me something and I never forgot it. And that's, that's the way I looked at it from then on. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Sometimes I'll like kind of go through the motions of, here God, I'm going to cast it to you, but then I'll pick it up again. Do you have anything to say about when I try to pick up the care again and instead of giving it, really giving it? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, um, pretty normal. That's it's normal, but you know, one of the things that you know, I really think when you so you are equally yoked with Jesus, right? It says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That means that he's pulling. But what you just did is when you picked it back up, you started pulling in a different direction, right? Obviously, yeah. And painfully. And painfully, (laughs) right? So there's a lot of times where you obviously are are saying, hey, Jesus, I want to go in a different direction. So if you think about these things from the perspective of if Jesus was right beside me, he is. He's in you. He's he's around you. He's right. he's everything. He's right? there. Mm-hmm. He's there. But if I'm, you know, if I'm thinking about Jesus being with me when I go to pick that thing back up, I'm mad about something, or I see that person that made me angry. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then I got to do what the. You remember back in the late '90s, early 2000s, WWJD? What would Jesus do? We have to actually go. Okay, Jesus, I need you to start pulling that. I'm not going to take this weight anymore. I need you to pull that weight.
Wow. So you've got to look at it as that Jesus has actually taken that thing from you. And that you going back and picking it up, you're going in a different direction than Jesus. You're starting to pull against Jesus. You're slowing yourself down. You're slowing Him down in your life. So that's the only way I know. That's the only way I do in my own life is I think about those things of am I picking this thing up, right? If I start getting angry about something, if somebody's made me angry about, I, I need to I need to think Jesus. Have you already started dragging this thing? Have you taken care of it? And if the answer is yes, because that's what the Word says is that he's taking on your burdens. He's lightening your load there. Then now, you said, I don't like the way you're taking it, Jesus. Whoa. I mean, and, and that's, that's one of the things that helps me. That might not help anybody else. But I know from my own perspective is that the moment I get angry about something, the moment I start moving in a direction that is opposite of what I know the Word has said, then... I've started pulling against Jesus. So I, I think about those things um, pretty simply because if you know what the Word says, this is the other piece of it. The Holy Spirit is going to deal with your heart. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, you picking that up or are you going to set it back down? Everybody has the Holy Spirit that has been saved, living on the inside of them. And the Holy Spirit's going to go, are you, are you picking that up or are you laying it back down? So I, I just I think that's one of, the re, one of the ways there's probably everybody else that may have some other, some other way that they you know do it, but I'm, I literally take that, that example and in the spirit, I know Jesus has it on his back and it's not on mine. Amen. 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 So any other comments, questions, concerns, gripes? <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to pray us out, all right? So, Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. We just thank you, dear Lord, that we have great mental health, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are bringing about us um, a, a new mind, will, and emotions, Father, that we are that we're following along and that we're not conformed by this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm -hmm. And that because we're renewing our mind, that now we can put our emotions in check, that we put those things off onto Jesus, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, and that he is going to take those things that we have left behind and that he's going to move them away from us. That we see that, Father, that we that we see that we no longer are burdened by those things because He has made our burden light, Father. And we just thank You for it. We thank You for a great week. We thank You, dear Lord, that You're leading people across our path that we may minister the gospel to. And we thank You for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys have a great week.